0: guys, Welcome back to another episode of the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. Uh, my name is Adam, I'm your host. Uh, today I am talking to former, former Davis Cup player, currently one of the very top coaches in the country, and the current Fed Cup captain, John McGahan. We talk about how John has adapted to the current situation, his best experiences playing professional tennis, including Davis Cup, what he loves so much about coaching, and much more. I hope you... Enjoy this episode. John has some really great stories. Um hope you can take something from it. Um, so us so without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so John, how are you doing? How's how's kind of life in lockdown been for you the last few weeks?
1: Uh hey, all's good, Adam. Just uh, you know, firstly, big thank you for having me on your podcast and a big well done to you for all the great work you're doing on it. It's uh thank you. Um, yeah no just uh, t- the last couple of weeks two months has been absolutely mental just a total change of life um not just for me but for everybody around the world and you know I suppose with the coaching i would have been heavily involved in just working you know monday to sunday really yeah. and that's gone from that to, to nothing um and um, but it's been on the flip side of that it's been an unbelievable time to spend time with my, my daughter uh, who's a year and a half old now and um, yeah from that retrospect it's been magic and yeah. but I have to say at this stage looking forward to getting hitting a few balls again.
0: I know I mean just in terms of kind of fitness wise and keeping your eye on I know you've you've been doing a few zooms with Lancer Tennis so you've been how, how are you feeling that way you're feeling you've, you know you've kept fitness up pretty well and you're going to be, good, be good, good to get back into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, I I love um, I love doing fitness. Anyway, I think it's a it's part of my life. Uh, get up in the morning, it's probably the first thing that I try to get get going is a fitness session. So do a high, do a lot of hits, uh, hit sessions. There's hmm. also another program there that myself and Stevie Nuge do each day. It's called Insanity, um, and okay. so we've been knocking that out over the last <laughs> you know whatever. Six seven weeks, yeah, and pushing each other on trying to keep fit for when we, whenever we do get back on court, and then we do the odd zoom call. Then, with you know, each week with our, with our academy with Leinster Tennis Max Tennis, just to keep the players engaged and keep them motivated as much as possible and keep connected with them over this tough time,
0: yeah. So, in terms of that and keeping engaged, I know you've been doing a lot, you've been you know, you, with Leinster Tennis, you've been doing um, some, some webinars um, each week, and then you, you also I know have been doing a a podcast when, with 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 Soto and you know talking to a few players so you've been you've been keeping in in the tennis world pretty uh pretty pretty strongly
1: yeah no definitely a good friend of mine Dan Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis he runs Soto Tennis at in Costa del Sols We've, and we decided to just collaborate with one another during this time it's something that you know I would never have had the time to do yeah. before uh doing podcasts and things like that I've always wanted to You know, try and do one or two of them before, but I would never have had the time. And we said, listen, you know, we'll get together, we'll pull in some of our resources, and contact players that we would have grown up with, played with, and um, just just keep people entertained, energized, a little bit, kind of what you're doing as well. (laughs) And um, it's definitely something different I, I I hadn't done before, and it's been a good challenge. Um, and a lot of learning as well, just from from a coaching perspective, you know.
0: You know, I, I saw you had Jamie Murray on there recently, so it must, you've, you've been having some, some some good chats, I guess, on, on on that podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to get players um, that are off now, yeah. Uh, that are, you know, on the WTA tour, the ATP tour, that you uh, wouldn't get a chance probably to do that during the year with them. Dan Evans came on, and he did he did a really good webinar. He was one of our first ones with Stephen mm-hmm. and I. In, in Leinster tennis, but he also did one with, 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 with solo tennis as well. Okay. And just, just great to, to have Dan on and, you know, to speak to the players and for the players to be able to interact with him, ask questions, pick his brains, and we're, we're learning as well, actually, during this process. Yeah, big time, yeah. yeah. Which, which is great, you know.
0: Um, yes, yeah, so and then just how about by, by getting back to tennis, how, how do you feel about return to tennis, even just from your own point of view, maybe, you know, getting back on the court? Coaching maybe in proper it won't won't be you know this phase I'd say and then even competition wise would you expect I mean even within Ireland would you expect any tournaments in 2020 what are you kind of how do you yeah I mean it? I I think I said it to you there beforehand
1: yeah. I think the first thing is just I I haven't hit a ball since um since March yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I'm just looking forward to is actually getting on a court again and hitting, hitting some balls, feeling the ball yeah. um, w- with some players. And that, that initial first week, just really happy to be able to go back to sport again. There's a lot of sports here in Ireland that can't, can't play or can't get back out. So yeah. we're very lucky, I think, um, as a tennis community to be able to go back to the sport we love. And... I think it's very important during this initial phase for us to be able to take on board the you know the precautions that have been yeah. set out by the HSE and the federation, and do our best to be able to, you know, just in you know make them happen for the first week or two, and see where we are after that because you know things could change again in the next month. We could be yeah. back to square one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but hopefully we're not. And I'm I'm going to try and do it. You know, from my own point of view, I'm going to try my best to adhere to the to yeah. you know to the, to the to the guidelines as best we can
0: yeah yeah now ho- hopefully we can start to get stuff back going and and into the tennis anyway and um, so just in terms of coaching yeah. wh- where did uh, coaching kind of start for you how did you kind of get into it in, in the first place uh, for coaching yeah coaching tennis yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean i suppose growing up i i um, played a lot of tennis obviously growing up and then i went I went to university in Wales and okay. I when I went there, I was doing a PE teaching course. So I started, I was actually teaching, uh, doing a teaching course there, but it was a lot of sports. So there was all different types of sports and tennis was one of them. I had done a little bit of coaching as well prior to that before going over to university yeah. in, in Cardiff in Wales. And then I went on and did my PGC at Exeter University in St. David's. And that involved a lot of tennis coaching with schools, and a lot of tennis coaching just with with players in the UK. Um, and I suppose then, as a you know, after even completing my, my studies and going on to play professional tennis, one of the ways that I funded myself to play professional tennis was by coaching. So I coached actually and played when I was a professional okay. tennis player. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I've been doing I've been coaching a while. And I love it. It's a big passion of mine. You know, I, I did qualify as a physical education teacher when I uh, had finished university. And I planned to go back to that after finishing playing professional tennis. Yeah. But um, a role came up in my hometown in Dundalk to for me to come in and, and, and coach tennis. And I fell, I just, I was totally in love with, with tennis and teaching and, and helping players just get better. And, I, I kind of wanted to stay in, in that in, in that world and I'm still in it now today and and I have to say I love I love coaching tennis.
0: Yeah, no, I think a lot of people will agree that you've um done a pretty good job of that over the years. I know, John, a lot of the work you do is in Max Tennis Academy. So do you mind just having me about where that all started?
1: Yeah, so Max Tennis Academy was born at my home club in Dundalk. and um, we had a group of very enthusiastic young boys and girls that really wanted to improve their tennis and most importantly they were very very keen to compete and so we decided to call that core group of players that we had that really wanted to maximize their potential max tennis yeah i suppose that's where that's where it began and i suppose when i'm thinking back now as i'm talking to you adam we uh, had a young player his name was joseph mullen and joseph you know, he reached as high as number one on the Tennis Ireland rankings at around 16, 15, 16. And he began defeating some of the, the top national Irish squad players at the time before attaining his first junior world ranking at Donnybrook. And he had an unorthodox uh, style of play um, that used to torture players on the on the <laughs> Torque. Is very difficult to play against and I could see something you know in, in Joey at the time that he could cause some damage on the junior Irish circuit and there was other other young kids that was in it at the time as well Neil Jones a very competitive young lad uh, in, in the club and those two boys used to play a lot of doubles together and that spurred a lot of other young players in the club to come along like Aoife tona Bartes, who went to UCD and Became an under-21 Irish national tennis champion to Ruth Copus, who you see today, who plays Fed Cup for Ireland. Yeah, and Ruth, obviously, as we all know, is a you know a, a really great role model for young girls growing up. A great asset to Dundalk Tennis Club, and would have grown up with that core group of players. And Ruth, as I said, has gone on to play Federation Cup, uh, Federation Cup and has won you know multiple national tennis titles in the country and has went on to play four years at uh, at university and it would have been that kind of core group of players that grew up together pushed one another in the club and we decided as i said to name that group um Max Max Tennis so that's kind of where it, where it began i suppose and um and again when i'm when i'm thinking back to to those players at the beginning and um, they were very very keen they were very hungry and we train. We trained through you know difficult conditions throughout the winter everybody that coaches in Ireland knows that 99% of the courts are outside they're on Astor yeah. it's not easy it's you know it can be cold it can be wet rainy the balls are heavy so you know the condi- the the conditions aren't aren't easy at all but i think that that actually played a lot in the players' favors you know they were able to really use the elements i suppose uh, as something that could work in their benefit because ni- again 90% of the tennis tournaments in ireland are, they're played outside and they're played on you know tough 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 uh, conditions, tough weather conditions. So we were able to use those conditions to our, our favour. And these players did a really, really good job of it. That kind of attracted then more players to come along into the academy and also gave a lot of belief to other players, younger players coming up. So we had a young player, Maria Perla bien Sumba, who then went on to play at the Junior World Tennis Championships in in Florida. That was an amazing surge of great energy for the academy, our family, and all the coaches that were working at yeah. the, you know, the club. So great, really, really uh, good stepping stone for 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 the academy. Um, Maria would have won the under 14 tennis Europe Championships that were being held in Dublin at DCU, and that gave her the the opportunity to go and compete in Florida. And subsequent to that, again, more players ended up doing really, really well. You know, Freddie Murray, who is still playing today, under-18s. Freddie would have been number one under-12s, under-14s, under-16s in Ireland. And also went to compete at the Orange Bowl in Florida at the World Tennis Championships. So just that that really helped with... Given other players that were in the academy and are in the academy today, a lot of hope, a lot of um, a lot of good energy, and a lot of good belief that we can do good things together if we're willing to work hard and put the work in. and And I think that they're the the things that have really stood to us as 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 an academy, having that kind of work ethic, that ethos, that you know, we'll have no. No excuses, even if the you know conditions are are tough, yeah. we're, we're going to get stuck in. And I think they're good characteristics for any sports athlete to have.
0: You know, I think having <clears throat> players and stories early on in the academy, you know, it was a really good start cause it help inspire people as it as it grew. But I, you mentioned that uh, Joey Mullen. Actually, I actually I played Joey last year in, in summer league, um, we did. Were, you it was, it was in um, in David Lloyd. Um, I remember I, I went to break up early and then um he started with his i can i can certainly agree his unorthodox style and it it was it was it was comfortable enough in the end for him but um i remember a few you know a a little drop shot lob combination and we both actually just look at each other and laugh almost you know it's so easy for him but then you know i was i just i couldn't do anything but um it was that's
1: funny it's that's funny you're saying that actually to me now because I haven't seen Joseph playing on the tennis court for a long long time. And my memories of him are when he was 15, 16 as a junior. Yeah. Um but when you're you're saying that he was doing that and he he was good at it to be fair to him. And yeah. he was a bit of a later he was a bit of a later bloomer, but I suppose it's you know it's important for for me to be able to mention these types of players because they were very important to the club and to the academy and they were the start of where Max Tennis Academy began and they were very very keen uh, they helped me learn as a coach and helped me get better as a coach for sure and just I really really enjoyed my my time starting off coaching and um, with these kids and they're now adults now but um they were yeah great great kids and great great people to be around so uh, that, that's that's where it began, and um, you know we're still we're still at it today. We're still we're still pushing forward and still trying to help players get better as as best we can. Yeah, and by by the way, Adam, I I must mention that you know the success of the tennis academy is obviously down to um, the the players, the the club, the the parents, and, and the coaching team that yeah. you know that's been involved with the. You know, with the with the club, so I, I work with a great team of coaches there from Deirdre Winters, Gary Gary Rodriguez, and Gus Cressa, and and Paul Casey, who travels down every Sunday morning. He's been a great mentor to me, and a, a, obviously a great coach. Um, but that's been a big part of the success of uh, why the why the academy has been successful. So, just think that's again, it's important to to mention all these people.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, my next question is it's kind of related but um what, what's your favorite thing about coaching what why why do you uh, enjoy it so much
1: um why do I love it so much i love i love watching players get better I love watching players uh, that are really have a love for the game like myself that want to play have desires and dreams and being part of their story, helping them try to achieve their dreams I, I think they're that's they're the big things and 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 any level as well. Like I don't, I don't, don't mind what level the player is. If it's yeah. a Davis Cup pro, a Fed Cup pro, or a player that's just starting, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with, you know, whatever that player is. Once they love the game, and um, because I love the game, and I suppose that's why I, I kept it, kept in the coach or kept teaching. But in in tennis, in the tennis industry, yeah. um, but those are the big things that get me up in the morning for for you know. People that love playing ball and want to get better. It's yeah, that simple.
0: Um, do you feel that you've you maybe lear- learned something during this lockdown period that you can maybe bring forward? That you know, adapting to, to certain things. Do you feel maybe you you can take anything from this.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of learning, learning all the time. You know, far from far from uh, the finished article. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I uh, know always always learning. I think just even things like this here from a communication point of view i think it's an a- absolute excellent tool being able to use uh, different platforms to communicate with parents communicate yeah. with players communicate with other coaches and um, that's certainly taught me a lot over these next the, the last couple of weeks i mean we've communicated with an awful lot of people and um, just down to t- the technology that's in you know at our, at our hands and it's certainly something that you know I'd like to bring more into my coaching programs when we do get back to tennis, you know, whenever that may be, but I'll definitely keep it going because I think it's communication, very, very important with all the key stakeholders, you know, with the, with the the people in your club, your members, your players, and you know, the parents are very, very important and just your fellow colleagues as well. So definitely communication for me and being able to stay in touch with everybody as much as possible, I think is, um, is very, very important.
0: Yeah, I guess if something uh, positive can come out of this, I guess that's, that's a good thing as well. We, you know, we can take something from it. So that's good.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Um, yeah, I just want to go back a bit to earlier on, maybe in your story. So where did tennis kind of start for you um, originally?
1: Tennis started, okay. So tennis started for me, it started at Dundalk Tennis Club. That's, okay. where, that's, where, it, that's where it kicked off. I mean, I used to play on a handball alley in the summer times. Football was really my main sport when I was when I when I was young. I was a late bloomer, late starter to tennis, only started at eleven, twelve years old. Okay. But I remember the first summer that I went down to the local tennis club in Dundalk. My mum brought me down because there was no football league being held during the summertime. And yeah. I remember walking in and I and I saw these these kids hitting the ball across the net and I can still picture that now as I'm talking to you and it was I I was infatuated with the ball and how it was going over and in the court Mm. with all this spin and I remember standing there actually the first day behind this court and it was two two um two brothers actually playing Tony Walsh and Porrick Walsh from Tundalk and I remember them hitting the ball over and back and I was mesmerized by it yeah and I, honestly, I think from that first day that I walked in, I was in love with with, with this, the ball, and, and I yeah. wanted to be able to do that. So it started It started in Dundalk Tennis Club. Um, and just, uh, it was a magic place to be able to hang out. Uh, I made so many friends there. Um, and, you know, the coaches that were running the program, there was Tom Murphy and Jim Pringle at the time, and they they were great coaches. And they took me under the wing and helped me um, help me play, and and be able to hit the ball over yeah. like I was like I was taught about the start. But that that's where it started for me um, at, at my home club, and I'm still there today. And it's yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a brilliant tennis club. And
0: um, were there any idols that, that you looked up to, kind of in your early days in tennis, that really helped you uh, along your journey? Um, yeah, I mean, I
1: suppose there was a lot of different people throughout the years that would have been very influential towards, you know, my tennis development, but I suppose just in, in sport development in general, my, you know, from a very, very young age, when I think back to my childhood, you know, my grandfather growing up was a real idol of mine. He was, he was an international soccer, uh, soccer player. And, um, you know, really, really great memories growing up, training every day at the, the local handball alleys across the road from where he lived. And, you know, after school, we used to go there every day, play football, play tennis. And he was just very influ- influential in my development as a, as a sports person. And as was my mum, uh, who supported my passion for the sports, uh, you know, and particular, particularly tennis in later years. Um, and when I reached the local tennis club, so when I was in the club, there was a, a chap there by the name of James Pringle. And James was a okay. very good... Yeah, he was a very good junior tennis player Um, his dad was the head coach of the tennis club and his dad coached me but James was a brilliant tennis player and I remember being able to watch him train at the club and very very uh, very you know exciting to watch and wishing that you could be able to play as good as him and I think that was very very encouraging as a, a you know a young kid coming up to see that on your doorstep so you know, on the, on the TV, I suppose, it was Andre Agassi was my, my big idol, right. you know. Um, used to love watching Andre. Um, but, yeah, just a lot, lot of different people, I suppose, down through the years were, were, were great help. Um, and I think that's important as well when you're, when you're growing up to have these types of people around you, good role models um, that are going to yeah, help you on your journey. Yeah, and older guys like Owen Casey and Scott Barron, they were all around and they were just really, really good professional guys that you were able to learn from, you were able to look at. And there was no airs, nor graces about them. They were, if, if you were able to work hard, you mightn't have been as good as them, um, which I wasn't. I was far from their level. But they, they were able to bring you on court and help you out a lot, give you advice. and But if you were able to work hard, they, they would accept you. And and that that culture was phenomenal because that that was instilled in me then, and then I passed that on to younger players yeah. that were you know in the younger groups to me. So the likes of Barry King and James McGee and James Clusky and with all these guys, we would have gone out and competed against each other. We would have been practicing with with each other, and I think that was just a good culture to be around. So I suppose all these different people that I'm talking yeah. about, they were all they're all part of the. The, the, the journey, you know?
0: You know, it sounds like, you know, you, you might have looked up to those people, but I'd say it was kind of, you know, you all kind of pushed each other on, and it was a lot of, yeah. you know, helping each other along the way, which which is great.
1: Yeah, I definitely felt that. I definitely felt that growing up. And, 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 you know, I was very lucky. I have to say I was very, very lucky to be able to, you know, go up and, you know, these guys, to be able to watch these guys all the time and go out to the tournaments and watch these guys competing against them. Like I can remember playing under fourteen I think it was under fourteen on my last year under 14s, first year indoors and I'm playing on Casey first round. I'm like, oh my god, what what is what is going on here? Like I think Owen was whatever he was, top three hundred at the time and I've no chance, but yeah, I'm just like yeah, yeah. I wanna go out and I wanna play this guy, I wanna put I wanna have a I wanna have a pop against him. And uh, but I I remember that and then you were able to, you know Able to watch these guys compete week in, week out during the summertime, and um, when they were off from their you know journeys abroad. Yeah. So yeah, it it definitely definitely helped because you know I think that that uh, transcended into the younger generation, you know from 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 me as well.
0: Um so from your perspective as kind of a coach, how, how do you think what you experienced at that time? How do you think that compares to the moment? Do you think there's a similar, or is would it would it be less so uh, these days?
1: um i mean i'm not i'm not playing now anymore i'm coaching i'm coaching now but i'd say this is again in my opinion i think it is changed definitely has changed um i'm a big believer that players make players and i think suppose competition very very important you know that the more competition is you know developed in the country and the more of our top players that play those competitions and the more top of our top players that are around in the country, they're gonna have a better influence on the younger generation that's coming up. And I think that's 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 an important thing for Irish tennis, you know, that are, that are, that you get to see our best players. You get to see our best players compete. That's what the younger players wanna see, that they wanna be they wanna be able to get up close and, and see that ball, watch them practicing watch all the, the idiosyncrasies, the characteristics that they have. Yeah. I think that's so, so important. A coach can only, a coach can talk about it, you know, only so much. And you can watch it on TV, but there's nothing like the naked eye of watching the top ballers play ball. And that's, I think, that's what I meant by I was very lucky when I was yeah. growing up, that I got to be around these guys that inspired me to, to stay on. Now, I had unbelievable coaches, Growing up, you know, like I said from the beginning, Jim Pringle, Tom Murphy, that was in Dundalk Tennis Club on a Leinster squad. I had Michael Nugent, and then I was very lucky to go on to a national program, um, touring program with Paul Casey, who ended up being my 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 coach, um, and yeah. you know, from 16 onwards, that you know, that, that these guys were phenomenal. But there was great players around as well, so things resonated a lot more. In, in in the brain. Now that might I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's different because we don't see as many of our top players playing week in week out on those events at home. Um, yeah. And I think and and then also then just from a training point of view as well, we don't get to see them an awful lot. They're away, and I and I totally understand that. Um, but it would be nice to get them back more and for us to be able to see see them see yeah. them play.
0: Yeah, now you mentioned there as you were kind of progressing through through the age groups you're going from to Leinsters you're going to Nationals was, was there a point then when you kind of decided that the tennis was you know like something you wanted to pursue uh, professional, professionally as as you got older was there kind of a, a moment when that kind of clicked?
1: Um, I mean again grow, growing up Adam I want to be uh, straight on this as well I was certainly not the best player by any means I only got to you know get on my first interpro team when i was on my last year under 18s okay i was a later bloomer i started at 11 12 Mm. and and but i was very hungry and i love competition love being able i don't know what it is but that one-to-one aspect i love football as well um but love that i love that aspect of competition and i suppose as i started getting a little bit better through the ranks been hanging around with all these these great players and coaches and um, I, I, I suppose the penny really really dropped on my my last year under 18s i managed to get to a decent ranking in the country it was um number 2 at the time and uh, there was a tennis ireland trip that was going to to sweden and morocco and i had been picked to go on those trips okay paul Casey was uh, was the head Uh, the national coach at the time and during those those trips i learned an awful lot i mean an awful lot it was we we just being around the the tournaments for starters you know we went to norway went to sweden got to be around guys that i didn't know that were going to end up you know top players around the world like marcus bagdadis robin Soderling. Yeah um just 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 to name a few like Florian Fla- 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 Meyer all these guys were hanging out at these events and I was a- I was able to hang around you know for a week a month at a time to be around these players watch them I wasn't I-, I wasn't necessarily doing much damage in these tournaments at the time but I was able to watch them and be around them and I was able to also learn from you know the lead coach which was Paul at the time who was educating me on the journey and say, listen, man, you can play Davis Cup. You can play professional tennis. You can be a world-ranked player if, if, if you put the work in. You gave me a lot of belief uh, to be able to, you know, go on a, a, and do that and pursue the dream of, you know, play, playing professional tennis. And mainly the main focus was to, to play Davis Cup. That was the main driver in my, in my, in, in my tennis career.
0: Yeah, so then I guess you went off to university. You mentioned in, in Wales. So was that kind of tennis very much tennis, you know, scholarship kind of t- tennis focused, or was that, or was it less
1: that? And the college would have been highly focused on sport. So PE teaching was the degree that I w- had took on, and part of that degree was that there was a tennis progr- program held in the university. UIC was the name of the the, the university, and it had fantastic facilities It was actually a really good place for for me to 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 go i think i wouldn't have i don't think i would have gotten a big scholarship at the time last year under 18 to go to the states Mm. and it was a good fit for me to go to, to to cardiff there was very good tennis players in it good coaches again and there was a lot of competition. There was a hell of a lot of competition, and there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of opportunities to go and basically train during the week, and compete every single weekend. And I think that helped me an awful lot um, with my, my my studies, but for tennis, which was the the big focal point. And I wanted to make sure when I did finish university. I haven't been to the states now but I've seen all the 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 facilities and the programs and it looks unbelievable you know yeah. what what what, yeah. what they have out there but one of the like I said to you before one of the big big drivers for for me was that I wanted to play I wanted to play for Ireland I wanted to play Davis Cup so you know I may not have had all the 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 programs and you know facilities that were in place in America but there was there was enough there for me to be able to say right I'm gonna put the work in, and you know when I come out of university, I'm gonna get playing uh, playing some tennis and play professional tennis on the tour a, a little go. Again, great great experience when I was in Wales and the the university that I was at there, there was really good people that was able that 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 helped me out when I was over there from Howard Jones, uh, who was the head coach at the. At, at the university, and to uh, another guy called Phil Thomas that was from Wales. Phil was a great guy, He's, uh, great coach. Um, I still keep in touch with Phil. Uh, at the time, he was working at Millfield Millfield um, School. I'm very thankful to Phil, who, you know, just a such a positive guy with loads of energy, um, yeah. and used to, you know, pitch up each each week, uh, help me out training with me and just very encouraging overall so yeah great guy and a great coach from Wales.
0: Yeah so you did finish you you finished there in in Wales and then you was it straight away you you did then did did give the the pro tennis a go you went for a few years so how did you find that transition then from onto into pro tennis? Um, Yeah
1: so I, I went from i did three years degree and then i did my my postgraduate in exeter university and okay. i was able to also keep my my study and finish off that that postgrad there and keep competing once i'd finished that and i would got my my qualifications i was like you know the the chains the shackles were off i was like yeah. oh here we go get me on the tour give me a go at this thing and it was, uh, yeah. I, I basically went f- went from there. I decided to, to stay in the UK. I, I trained at uh, an academy in North Wales, and I trained. It was called the Mike Walker International Tennis Squad, and I, I basically based myself out of there for my my professional tennis career. It was the it was a hell of a learning experience. I have to say, it was a hell of a learning experience. That I remember going to my first ten tournaments. At the time, you had satellites and you had futures, and I was doing all my tournaments in the UK. So I was yeah. training during the week, and then I was driving to these tournaments that they had held every week in the UK. And I remember my first ten events. I didn't get into any one of them, so I couldn't get into the tournament. So I was pitching up to the tournament. Yeah. I was signing in but I wasn't getting in. And I was I was like, I can't get a match in here. It's unbelievable. But I was doing these other events that were money events that were being held in the UK at the time. So I kept doing them to keep the you know, keep the eye in and whenever I did get a pop to go and, and play, um that I'd be ready. But um, I think it was it actually took it took so long for me to, to to get into these events but I remember getting into one in Bournemouth it was it was being held in green clay it was a satellite it was the first of the four and I remember managing to qualify coming through three rounds of qualifying yeah. and getting into the first round main draw and it was the first time I'd ever ever you know qualified yeah. you know for, for a professional a professional event and the feeling was just you know, it was unbelievable. It was just amazing just to qualify. Yeah, um, and I actually ended up losing to a really good doubles player, um, singles player, and doubles player, Colin Fleming from Scotland. Um, yeah. Uh, I I played Colin in the first round uh, of that of that event in Bournemouth, and um, Colin actually was in Stirling University at the same time when when I was in university in UIC. So, um, but that that was kind of my my starting point of of playing professional tennis.
0: Yeah. So then, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, From those years, then playing pro, what, what was the the hardest thing about it? Do you think for you the hardest thing about it? Um, I think listen, there's a professional tennis
1: when you're when you're when you're traveling a lot on your own. It's not easy. It's certainly not easy. But don't mind my own company too much. So I didn't mind that aspect uh, too much of it. I suppose you know financially being able to. You know to stay out and, and being able to stay out on playing tennis it, it, it's it's very expensive to be able to do it so I suppose one, one of the you know that was a big challenge that was a big challenge being able to fund it um, was was a big challenge and you know, I was again very very lucky that- the, the the Academy that I worked at in the UK was able to you know assist me because I was at uh, I was a hard worker and I, I, I'd get stuck in during the, the squads, but I was able to, to teach and coach that I was able to supplement some of my, my training and my coaching there at the, at the Academy. Yeah. And I also used to fly back every Friday from Manchester back to, to Dublin. And I used to coach in Dundalk every Saturday and Sunday. Okay. So I used to put a you know, 18 hours in over the weekend And help all these young players, these these young players in Dundalk Tennis Club uh, play ball. So I used to train with them a lot. So and then after that, I used to get a mushroom truck from Dundalk back into the ferry at Hollyhead, and that mushroom truck used to drop me off at about three a.m. in Wrexham, outside the tennis club, and I'd have my bag in my back and. And I'd run through the field back over to my digs where I was staying. And I used to do that every single week. Um, And I suppose that was tough. That was tough because you were very tired, very fatigued. There was a lot of traveling involved. But, I mean, I'm saying it's tough, but it wasn't really tough. It was just you're trying to pursue your dream and you'll do anything to make it happen. I was was very lucky to be able to coach and and make money and and play. Because if I wasn't able to do that, I wouldn't have been able to play.
0: Um, yeah, so for, from that time then, what, what, what was your, your proudest moment? So now you mentioned Davis Cup. How was that experience playing Davis Cup then, John?
1: Yeah, so Davis Cup was a brilliant experience. I mean, I got to play on the leadership of an Irish tennis legend, Sean Saarenson. Um, Sean would have played in the world group of uh, Davis Cup for Ireland. Um, so it was a great opportunity to learn off someone with his experience and getting on that team wasn't easy either. You know, there was very good players in front of me, including Connor Nyland, uh, Luke Sarensen, Kevin Sarensen. Um, and and all those guys would have been inside, you know, well inside the the, the top 600 in the world at the time. And yeah. so it was, it was, you know, to get on the team, I needed to be in and around 900. And my highest ranking was 891, I think. So I managed to... to to creep onto the team and, you know, you were dealing with other players as well in the background that were also on the verge of getting on the team, like James McGee, Colin O'Brien, James Klosky and these types of lads, Um, very good players. So it was, you know, it was competitive to get onto it. And like I said, kind of said to you before, that was the main reason that I was playing tennis. That was the one, you know, that really drove me to keep playing uh, the game. So getting that was a was a was a great moment. It was a really really great moment. And our, our first tie was actually held out in Egypt in Cairo. And I was playing futures out there previous to it. And I got okay. a phone call. Yeah, I got a phone call off. And I it was my mum that called me at the time. Um, forget what age I was, but she gave me a ring. And I was in Cairo. I, I actually, the tournament that I was playing at the time. I, I wasn't doing particularly well in it. But um, I remember calling me and saying, you know, you got, you got selected to play Davis Cup for Ireland. And, you know, that was a, that was a great moment. Um, I was sitting in my hotel room in Cairo. I think I had just lost that match the, the day I played. But, you know, it was it a was bittersweet kind of thing. You, yeah. you know, you match, but you, you get that news that you're going to compete at Davis Cup. And it was actually going to be held out in in Egypt as well so yeah that was that, that was a really really uh, special moment, and like I said it was a, it was a good team then it was playing with um Connor Luke, Kevin, and it was myself then, and Connor and Luke were the you know the main players, the top two players, myself and Kevin yeah. uh, played in in doubles so um yeah, just, just really 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 special time and uh, we, we got to, um, we, we got to get through the group that we were in. We were in group three at the time. And managed to get through that group, and, and, and Sean decided that we'd celebrate by ordering some uh, camels. <laughs> <laughs> so he ordered some camels at the end of the end of the week, and we ended up going out into the pyramids. Uh, it was, you know, almost at dusk as well. It was unbelievable uh, views, and there was a news reporter out there, and his name was Paddy Hickey. And Paddy actually, he 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 didn't have a camel. It was it was more like a donkey, something that he was on. And uh, I, I just remember when we were going out and the donkey ended up like taking off over these sand dunes and Paddy was hanging off, you know, hanging on to this thing for dear life. And, uh, you know, I actually think I have some photographs of it as well. I was on, the, you know, me on the, yeah. I think it was on a camel or a horse, one or the other, but there was... It was mad. It was uh, it was just a, a great, a great, great, great experience. And actually, the, the, there was another chap I, I forgot to mention you that was on that team, and, and it was the physio, and it was Nicky Green, um, and Nicky did a great job all week. You know, was, you don't get to, to travel with physios when you're on the road playing yeah. future events. so you were just being treated like a real pro all week. And I remember getting, you know, getting physio every every day off. Off Nicky and feeling like an elastic band. Um, and uh, just, he, he did a fantastic job with us and uh, it was great having him. Uh, you know, you'd, lo- you'd love to have something like that when you were playing yourself, just you know, like the, the top boys around the world. But it was a great, great, great moment, great, great experience to be able to, um, you know, play Davis Cup.
0: You know, I understand as well, there's a, for the next campaign, um, you were selected then there was a bit of an issue there. So is there, there's a story there, is there?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I actually got. Uh, I, I was part of the team again f- in, in Group Two against Morocco and uh, against yeah, Ukraine. It was actually the one against Ukraine. I I, I had come. <clears throat> I, w- I was playing futures events out in Morocco, and um, I I on the second week of the the Moroccan trip, I ended up getting food poisoning. I was playing a fella. You probably know uh, from Australia, John Millman, oh, yeah. in qualifying. John, obviously, a really, really good tennis player. But uh, I ended up playing him the second week. I think it was in Rabat, and I was in a bad way. I just, uh, you know, had food poisoning. I was really sick. Yeah, uh, he ended up duffing me up, uh, giving me a good hiding. And um, the um, yeah, so with, with, with not picking any points up. And I had been selected then to play against Ukraine and think Sergei Stokovsky was playing on that tie as well. Uh, I, I said I'd, I, I'd make a trip home. I'd, I'd make a trip to Spain. Uh, there was a futures event in Elche. And it was the, you know, you're talking about July here. So it was quite hot. Mm. Uh, but in lieu of not getting... Uh, any any uh points i said right i I'll, I'll jump into spain and in into lG and see if I can pick a few points up because I would get main draw with the ranking that I had at the time, but I drew this guy called Cravantes, who again ended up being a really really good tennis player top sixty in the world right and i was caught, I, I took a trip from Casablanca into i forget exactly where it was, but it was somewhere Somewhere that was about basically about 13, 14 hours away from Elche, where I was staying, and yeah. I was doing everything on the cheap. So I, I, I was getting this bus trip from could have been uh, Barcelona or somewhere like that, Madrid, and uh, basically got it was a, it was a long, long trip, and I ended up coming down on this bus, and at this bus, I remember stopped off at every single tourist uh, destination that you can imagine and it was the longest trip ever i ended up getting to elsia dehydrated wrecked absolutely knackered and i draw this guy who was an up and coming young spanish player i think he was you know top under 18 kid at the time and our first set went on for about an hour and a half and the middle of july i was obviously a little bit quite naive thinking that i'm going from africa it's not going to be as hot in spain yeah it was it was hotter <laughs> and it was it was, a, it was a really, really tough experience. So I, I was playing this guy, and um, I lost the first set 7-6. proceeded to begin the second set, went over my ankle when I served on the first game of the second set, rolled my ankle, and then proceeded to go into this full-body cramp. Oh, uh... no. Yeah. Oh, no. It was the, like the worst ever. So nobody's speaking English. All this, you know, the Spanish people that were watching the match don't know what's going on with me. They yeah. got this pale, white Irish guy that's lying face down in the dirt, and he's having a full-body cramp and not able to explain himself. And, and yeah. before I knew it, there was just like, there was an ambulance into the into the tennis facility. I was thrown onto a stretcher. They were putting needles into me to get me all, you know, back. De- I was so dehydrated, so they were try- trying to hydrate me again. And I ended up in hospital that night. And I remember coming back in the next day to the club and crutches and the Spaniards, they were just basically looking at me, laughing. And they were like, <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. But uh, that was kind of the story but behind, yeah, the, the next time. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play against Ukraine. And that was, that was a, you know another great tie. Um, I think it was Connor who was playing, Colin O'Brien. And... Um, and Owen Heavy took my place on that tie at the time. So, okay. um, but just yeah, I was, still, I was still there, part of the team, and yeah. it was a great opportunity again to, you know, to be around all these these, these types of players and events, and and uh, just very very, yeah, very thankful to have these these experiences.
0: Yeah, I was looking back through a few of, of the results from that time, and I saw as well as uh, Milman, you, you played like uh, uh, Sam Groth as well. You had a match against Sam Groth. <laughs> who's, yeah. who's, who, who's the world record holder for fastest serve, right? So, maybe, do, I, do, do, do you remember actually,
1: that match? Uh, Adam, do you know, now that you said, you know that I broke, I actually broke Sam Groth on the first, on his first service game <laughs> yeah. on grass, Ilkley, or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was somewhere like that. Yeah. And I remember playing that tournament and I remember Big, Big, Big Sam. And me playing Sam. And you know what? For that tournament, I was sleeping in a tent the night before. <laughs> I was sleeping in a tent. Honest to God. And you're probably saying, why the hell were you sleeping in a tent? At The, t- the, the, the place that we were at, uh, the, 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 the tournaments that we were at, the, I think the, the hotels were all booked out. So there was no, there was no accommodation for any, any of the players. So some of the, wow. the players were actually staying in these caravans and tents. And I managed with another player to get this tent and we were sleeping literally courtside from the court that I was playing Grot the next morning. Oh uh, God. Then when I look back in it now, it's just absolute mental Yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, uh, crazy stuff.
0: Yeah. Is it, do you, you remember that match? Obviously, you said you broke him there. Um, well, did, he, did he have like a reputation? You know, did everyone was like, oh, he's the guy with the big serve. You know, yeah. was, was, was like, it that he, kind of deal?
1: It was that yeah. Everybody kind of knew. Listen, did the, the Aussie guys over? It was a you know there was all these satellite satellite events on, and um, yeah, and and like like Grot, well, he, had, he was holding this racket and literally it was like this it was like a sledgehammer. It was so big and yeah he he looked like actually did you ever see that film Troy with Brad Pitt?
0: No, I, I don't think so. No, Have a look at it. No. He looked
1: like that. He had yeah. shoulders on him like it was just ridiculous and you're playing on these bumpy courts over in Ilkley and i was literally swinging blindfolded for this i didn't know where the serve was going but somehow i i managed to break him i mean i think he beat me comfortably he was i forget the score but he he beat me quite comfortably but again you're just you know you're hanging out with all these players you're you're, you're training with them and like i think during that week then myself and sam were you know practicing a lot um and you're just around really good pros. You're hanging around the tournaments, you're learning from them. And for me that was just just the dream. I just love tennis and, and, and being able to just be be out be you know whether I won or I lost. I, I always wanted to get back out onto the practice court and, and, and put the work in and you know and again like you know during a couple of those tournaments, you know, you're coming across the likes of Sam Groth, I was very, very lucky to be able to travel with Raven Klassen from South Africa mm. and play doubles with Raven. You know, Raven's gone on to be, a, you know, Australian Open champion and yeah. top ten, top ten player in the world. And just hanging out with these types of lads and being able to learn from them, room with them, talk tennis with them. You know, it's just uh, they're just it's ex- experiences that will they'll resonate in my my mind forever. You know.
0: Yeah. Um, but how long was it then until you you kind of hung up the racquet professionally? Was
1: um, so I think I played maybe for a, a, you know a year or two after I got to play Davis Cup, mm. and I think that was two thousand and nine. I think I played Davis Cup two thousand and seven, and then I stopped playing around two thousand and nine, and think yeah, kind of. I kind of knew then, like, that's, you know, as I said at the start, the really main reason I was playing was I wanted to play Davis Cup. I was quite realistic in my goals. I understood how much I was going to be able to travel. I understood that I wasn't always going to be able to, you know, be able to travel forward and back from the UK and Ireland to, to earn money, to be able to go away and travel. Because going to these events... You know if you're going to a trip abroad let's say for four weeks you know you're looking at about two thousand euros a week to travel and that's not with a coach.
0: Yeah.
1: That's on your own. That's just with just that that's just with yourself. So I was quite realistic. I was very lucky to be like I said, to be able to to you know gather money and earn that money, work for that money, uh, to be able to put me out on, on trips. And, you know, when I got my first world ranking points, I had one or two private sponsors that helped me with flights and things like that. But, um, yeah, 2009 is when I decided, um, actually with a trip with Barry King, we went to Gabon. And uh, Barry, I don't know if you know Barry. Barry uh, is uh, an unbelievable tennis player, great tennis yeah. player, yeah. Uh, top, top 600 in the world, top 700 in the world, but Barry and I used to grow, we, we grew up together, and Barry had played, actually wasn't playing professional tennis, I think he had just finished college, and he played uh, some tennis that summer in Ireland, and we played each other actually in the final of Temple Oak that, uh, yeah. event, mm. and Barry beat me like four and a third, and we ended up actually, I ended up staying in Ireland and training with Barry and said, listen, will we do a few trips together? And also wanted to see him become a, an ATP professional player because yeah. he was a bit younger than me, but I always, he was a great player. And I was like, this guy's got to get get ranked. I'm gonna do, we're going to do a trip together and play some doubles together. And we did. We went out to Gabon and Barry ended up doing really well. He picked up his first point. And I was playing a guy called Peter Lucassen from Netherlands. And I blew my hip out on the first round or second round. And um, uh, I think after that trip, I struggled a lot with, with, with my hip and, and injury. And I was getting a little bit older as well. I, was, I forget, 26, 20. Yeah, around 26, I think it was, uh, years old. And I just felt, you know, I'd, I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve in the game. And that was it was kind of a time for me to to put my efforts into the coaching world, which is where I am today. And yeah, you know, um, yeah, so just, uh, but amazing, amazing experiences. Tennis is, tennis is unbelievable. What a privilege to be able to play tennis and, you know, travel the world, go around and see all these different countries, go to Africa, go to India, go to Thailand, go to the UK, go to the States. I'd never have done that, you know, if, if I hadn't have had tennis and and yeah. the opportunity to do that. So, just amazing um amazing experience
0: yeah no for sure um yeah so i guess just looking um moving on a bit to, to irish tennis so how i know you mentioned earlier a bit about how you'd maybe see it now compared to how it was you know when you were kind of growing up when you were a bit younger um how, how do you maybe see it in the future and what, what do you think maybe we can do to to keep it going in the right direction uh, going into the future
1: first first of all, we got we, we've got great tennis players here in Ireland. Um, you know, we've got yeah. great tennis players. That's the first thing. We've got great coaches, got brilliant clubs. I think to, to improve it, I think one of the webinars that we had the last few weeks and talking to pros, I don't know if you listened to Conor Island, but it, yeah. you know, and the Doyle, but it really strikes a chord that competition is massive. Competition is massive for, for, for clubs in Ireland and for players in Ireland. I'm a big believer that players will make players, create an environment, a competitive environment. So first of all, I think we need to have a national club league. There should be a national club league for just like football. Okay. There should be a national tennis club league. Um, and engage all clubs in Ireland to be, you know, have, have their social aspect, but have that performance aspect. Have the have the aspect where you want to perform at the weekend, that you want to play competition at the weekend. So you train during the week if you're competition at the weekend, and um, I think that's very very important. Obviously, we all know the court surface needs to be better. We all know that the astroturf is not I- ideal, but I can see the reason in having it in some of the clubs due to yeah. the weather and the climate. I I get that, but I think. I think we need to be looking more progressively in in, in our in our in our minds and how, how we can help tennis improve. Let's have slower courts. There's courts out there that do take the rain. You know, I've done some yes. clinics over in Donegal, they've got a great surface there. and um, that that that's it's like a hard court, but it's rubberized, it takes the rain, it's slower, it's softened the joints. Little things like that are already gonna help. So the court surface having more international events in Ireland. So having more Tennis Europe events for kids so they don't have to travel as much, yeah. you know, having yeah. more ITF events. In Dundalk, we held three years of junior ITFs, grade fives. That was a big, big, um, you know, it was a big one for, for us as a club to be able to host that here in Dundalk and attract players from all over the world and inspire the younger kids that were in the club and members, um, you know, holding more of those events hold more senior events, more futures,
0: yeah.
1: and give players the opportunity. Like The more events that you have like them, the more opportunity there are for players to be world ranked. So if you've got, let's say you've got eight ITF tournaments or 10 ITF tournaments in a year, we're going to have way more ITF players yeah. ranked in Ireland. So there's more opportunity then to get into more events around the world. What's happened a lot is is that the players have no ranking, no ranking, Mm. They're traveling around. It costs, like I said earlier on, up to anything from fifteen hundred to two thousand euros a week. It's crazy money. So, how do we help players? We help players by bringing the competition to us, bring it to Ireland. And if that's on Astroturf, brilliant. It's home yeah. soil. You know, you know that's the other thing. Learn how to play fastball tennis. Learn how to serve and volley a little bit more. You know, use our, use home tennis to our advantage. You know, you only have to look at the players. That have won our Irish Open over the last couple of years, and Georgia Drummy, you know, Sinead Lowan, yeah. um Owen Casey, Conan Island, James McGee. They all won these Irish opens when they were brought here. So yeah. bring competition home to Ireland, put the money, put the investment, get that, you put it into these to, to these areas in the country and help the players. Um, help the players, give them the best shot, the best chance. Of, of, of when they do go abroad, and it 's going to be more cost effective for them now don 't get me wrong you are going to have to have sponsors you 're going to have to have um, help along the way because there 's no getting away from it when you play professional sport it 's expensive yeah. but i would I, I would love to see those types of things going in competition national club league and uh, more international tournaments and um, change the surface in the clubs, become more make that the more of the focal point when we're, when, when we're at the clubs as well. Are we performing? Are we getting our kids out to be the best we can? Are we encouraging them to compete at the weekends? They're the things that are going to help um, push Irish tennis forward for the future.
0: I think that's, that's well said. It all just comes down to competition, doesn't it? Um, for you, you, know, it all comes down to just competing and, and having those experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Of course, the technical aspect of
1: the game and the tactical aspect of the game, the mental aspect of the game, these are extremely important. But you learn that. You learn that when you're out and you're competing. You learn your trade when you're out competing. There's a big difference than hitting the ball up and down the middle and looking at a million dollars to actually going out and being able to pinpoint on clutch points, under pressure, can you perform? And the other thing is the cream will rise to the top it's like you can't you there's you you don't need to reinvent the wheel here put players in an environment that's competitive the best will come to the top of course they're going to need a couple of tweaks and and changes but good players they come to the top in the end and for me competition is the driver of uh, of every sport
0: yeah no i think that's that's really good points and um hopefully you know those those are things that can can definitely happen uh into the future. Yeah, I know. Currently, you're you're the Fed Cup captain, John. So, would you mind just telling me about a bit about your experience in that role uh, up to date?
1: Um, yeah. So, Federation Cup was the, the the first time I did the Federation Cup as the captain was last year. Uh, it was an amazing experience, and uh, the event was being held at in Montenegro. And it was a very proud moment for me as a coach to be able to lead the top Irish ladies out into battle. So we had a good team ranging from Sinead Lowen, Rachel Dillon, Jane Fenley, Juliana Carton, and Ashling O'Connor. And Juliana and Ashling actually made their debut. So a really, really special moment for those two yeah. two girls. And um, there was another girl that was meant to be on it, um, Shauna Heffernan. Unfortunately, Shauna got injured, so she wasn't able to, to make the squad. But um, a really special moment, as I said, for the two, two younger girls. And the older girls were able to give them a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of help because they've, they, they had played previously beforehand. But uh, just as I said, the, the, the girls did really, really well. Not easy conditions going out from Ireland into Montenegro on different court surfaces, playing on clay. Little bit hotter. and um, we had a good campaign overall. They finished up in third place with a really, really great opportunity. Actually, nearly to to, to win the event, we lost to the eventual winners, who were Egypt. Okay, we lost that uh, out to them on on, on the first round, two one, um, close a very close tie. But I think again, the girls did really, really well. And the reason is, I think that. And you're probably saying, you know, third place. We could have won it, but, the, the, you know, in the lead up to it, the, the senior girls were all working nine to five, sort of working full time and trying to train. Difficult for them to prepare when you're, you know, going out to play against top professional athletes or players that are playing professional tennis and playing, you know, high level university tennis. So I think they did really well in that retrospect. A lot of the training was done at Fitzwilliam Lawn Tennis Club, uh, who gave the courts up in the morning. So the girls were getting up and training from 6 a.m. before heading into work. And that's not easy then having to go to do your full day of work and then come back and try and do a few more hours and then go out and play, you know, a professional event like Fed Cup. Yeah. So. I think they did well, represented Ireland really well and I was very proud to to be part of the team and I'm looking forward to our next tie. It was meant to be this June. Unfortunately, the way things are at the moment, um, there's a lot of uncertainty of when tennis is going to get back to normal but I'll be looking forward to our next campaign for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I just have a couple more questions for you, John. Really appreciate your time. Taking up a good bit of your time. Um, (laughs) Um no problem. Yeah, well, what's your, your favorite place you've ever been to play tennis or in a kind of a, a tennis capacity? Favorite place I've been. I think I think I've kind of hinted
1: there at you um when I was talking a little bit about Max Tennis that I got yeah. the opportunity to go out to, to Florida with with Maria Perla, being Sumba and Freddie Murray. Uh, that wasn't actually as a player but as a coach. Yeah. And um Jeez, it was just—it was—it was unbelievable. It was just amazing, you know. Um, I, you know, the courts, the weather, um, just the whole—you know—the whole experience was amazing. I—I I would have to say Miami would would be my favorite place to go and play tennis. You yeah. Just you're draw, <laughs> you're drawn to the courts, the color of them, and you know the blue sky, the the blue skies and. Just an amazing place to, you know, and go, go and play. And very lucky, as I said, you know, as a, uh, as a coach to be able to go out and uh, experience that. Yeah. But I think if I was, uh, you know, if I had a lot, a lot of money I, 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 and I could go and play tennis there, I, w- I would definitely go there.
0: Well, what's your, your number one piece of advice for, for junior players, the so maybe kind of 15, 16 that are, you know, performing well? What's your, your big advice for them?
1: Big advice for for kids growing up is follow follow your dreams. If you have a goal, chase it. Never give up on it, and do whatever you can to you know to to achieve it. Um, I mean, I think that's that's big. Like, if you have a dream, go and chase it. Go after it. You get one life, you know, you know, get go after that dream. I would say that, and and then, you know, in the midst of that, enjoy it enjoy the privilege of being able to play the sport that you love being, you know, it's an absolute privilege for us to be able to play tennis and hit a a yellow fuzzy ball over a net, you know, so enjoy, enjoy it because, you know, the curtains are going to come down at some stage. So you got, you got, you got to enjoy it.
0: Too too right. Yeah. Too right. And a final question is, um, I think I might know what your answer is going to be, but what's, what's your favorite thing about tennis?
1: um i love i i love competing i love the one to one aspect about it um you know remember paul saying to me before when I was out on one of the trips and says it to me now and then uh you know tennis is like gladiators without the without the blood, and it really is it really is. I love. I love it. I love that one to one aspect and fronting up, going head to head with, with with a player, and and just leaving you know going out go, going out after it like that. I just love that. So I think that's a big part of tennis that I love.
0: Yeah. No. Okay. I think I'll I'll leave it there, John. So just th- th- thanks once again so much for for talking to me for sharing your your um your, your stories. Um, you really are you know inspirational stories for for people out there. So hopefully, um. You know, people can hear us and and uh, really take it on. So, thanks very much. I do appreciate it. No problem. Thanks very much for having me on, Adam. Really appreciate you doing brilliant work, man. Well done. Thank you. Thanks very much, John. See you now. Thanks very much once again to John for talking to me, for sharing his story, um, and for giving us his his thoughts on on tennis in Ireland at the moment. Uh, thank you also to. Um, to you all for listening to this episode and for getting this far. If you did enjoy it, please uh, share, like, leave a comment, a review, and um, help spread the word. Um, also, I'd, I always love to hear any feedback you may have about the episode. Um, reach out to me on Twitter, um, on Facebook, also, or send an email to Irish Tennis Updates at gmail.com. and um, really excited about getting back to tennis, um, hopefully, with the, the new restrictions easing we can get back to some tennis Um, if you do get back just um t- you know stay safe Um, enjoy your tennis but stay safe and hopefully we can all enjoy tennis again together Um, so yeah thanks very much for listening stay safe and i'll see you next time